11, and we have just been going back and doing a, um, last week was just our introduction to the school of prayer, and uh, Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, and uh, it says, and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now I want you to keep your finger there and I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter 6 just for a moment. And you can keep your finger there in Matthew. We'll be coming back to there for part of tonight's lesson. But uh, I want you to notice that Matthew chapter 6 is where we first see the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels, but it's in the middle of the Sermon of the Mount. Okay, In the middle of His teaching, Jesus is speaking to the multitudes. If you go back to chapter 5 and verse 1, watch what's happening here. And seeing the multitudes, He went up on a mountain, and when He was seated, His disciples came to Him, and all those following him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, he goes up on a mountain, he sees all his multitude, but the picture is, is Jesus is teaching the multitude. So he's speaking to everybody in a collective gathering, much like a, if, you know, a church service or gathering, a congregation of people there, there. So he's speaking to the multitude. So his instruction is to all. But if you go back to Luke chapter 11, that's not where this instruction is taking place. And Jesus has been in a place of prayer. The disciples are there with him. They're watching him pray. And then they go, Lord, teach us to pray. And so the disciples, like many people in church, didn't pay attention to the sermon. <laughs> Jesus had already preached on this. I mean, know what I'm saying? So Jesus didn't, what, what's interesting though, as I want you to see, is Jesus didn't teach his disciples a different secret. Right. What he said to the multitudes, he turned around and he repeated it again to his disciples. So he's teaching the multitude, this is how to pray. So the Lord's Prayer and, and these principles that we're studying here in the school of prayer, but many times this is what's happened. That's what I said. There's a need for us to constantly be taught and be taught again. Because sometimes we hear it, we partially hear it, sometimes we apply it, sometimes we hear it, and we just hold on to it, but we don't put it into practice. But something is happening with his disciples, where at this place, nobody, no, nobody in the conversation was saying, Jesus teaches to pray. His discourse is just in the process of everything he's revealing about the kingdom in this discourse to the multitude, and he brings up prayer, he brings up almsgiving, he brings up forgiveness, he's dealing with everything, and, and, and the Sermon on the Mount is such a powerful passage of truth for us to live by, and that it just really lays the whole kingdom out there. But uh, at this setting in Luke chapter 11 that we're dealing with, here the disciples all of a sudden they decide, and if you look at Luke, Luke recites several passages, Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 11, you see Luke makes references to parts of the Sermon on the Mount at different settings in different places, which it means at different times in different places in Jesus' ministry, if he was in one place, he, he would repeat what he had said earlier. Or he would teach that parable again or teach that truth again. And so he, he would give the same truth to everybody. Do you understand that? And so, but in, what I want us to get out of the setting is that the disciples, they're with him. He's teaching. And yet now they're going, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and Jesus kind of goes, well, didn't you guys get the CD? You know, remember the Sermon on the Mount? I already taught you how to pray. We covered this already. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. And so he goes, okay, okay, here. I'll, I'll preach it to you. I'll give you a personal audience here. This is how to pray. When you pray, okay? And he says, so when you pray, say, our Father. Wow. I was hoping to get that far tonight, and we didn't. We won't. Next week, we'll just focus on our Father. And I'll just give you this introduction right here. Do you know how many times in the New Testament God is referenced as our Father? 261 times. 
Do you know how many times God has referenced His Father in the Old Testament? None. None. He's Yah. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah. He's Elohim. He's all those things. He he has over 10,000 references to His name as God. But not one time is He brought into personal relationship with anybody as Father. David was a friend of God, but he is your father. David was called God's friend, but you are called his child. Do you understand the difference? And because of covenant and because of relationship and because what's been opened, what Christ brought us into, Jesus bring, this is such a revolution, no religious teacher no teaching had ever been espoused or presented that you could approach God as father in fact in Hebrew the the, the name God Yah they, they don't even write it all out if, if you look in Hebrew it'll be G slash D they, 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 they can't it, God's name is too holy to say. So, so you say it in part. You don't say it in complete. But then Jesus comes down and says, when you pray, say, my Father. My Father. And what I'm saying is, is that if you and I haven't learned how to pray to our Father, then we need to be taught how to pray. Are you with me? Father, we thank you that in the next few moments, you will cause your word to come alive to us. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Jesus, you take all that is yours. You give it to the Spirit, and he shows it to us. Do exactly that tonight. Let us see fresh and new truth that brings us into this intimate relationship with you in the secret place of your presence when we pray, we ask, we believe, and we receive in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And I said it last week, that inference there tells us that sin is a debt that can only be forgiven, it can never be repaid. Your sin, my sin, there's no way we could pay for our sin. It could only be forgiven upon the cross. That cross is the only way sin could be paid for and atoned for. And Jesus did that and he bore our cross. And when he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So sin is a debt that can only be forgiven. It can never be repaid. And so receiving that, we then give that same forgiveness. And do not be led into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen? So think about that. Temptation comes from who? The evil one. Amen? And so it just ties all, it's just such, so much true. We could spend a year on this and never really unwrap it all. So look at the cover of your outline. Um, Entering the school will truly take a leap of faith, as I said last week, and a willingness to sow the seeds of time, energy, and devotion into the task to reap the harvest. Or when it comes to prayer, it's going to take some time and some devotion. You just have to spend time with God. You're going to have to find time. We, we, have to, we, we have to carve out some time. We're going to have to set aside some time to spend time with God. And that, and uh, John chapter fifteen. There we'll skip down. Well, what I read, Luke chapter one and two. There, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. And the word remaining there also is the same word abiding. So remaining, abiding, being in. So they're, they're just learning. Prayer is an abiding. It's it's not j- just a practice. It's not a discipline. Prayer is abiding. Uh, uh, 
the Bible instructs us, Paul instructs us that, that we should pray always, to pray without ceasing. Okay? They, well, how do I pray without ceasing? Well, there's a place of living in a constant awareness of the presence of God. And, and, and part of prayer is not uh, always talking. I'm going to reference it here tonight. And, and Bob Kilpatrick wrote that little book on, on, on the secret of silence. And that, and that, that in prayer, and it's a powerful statement that he said, because and, and until you shut up, the conversation hasn't begun yet. Because a conversation with somebody is where both people get to speak. And if our prayer time is all us speaking and us never listening, if we carve out just enough time to go through our laundry list of requests with God, but we have no time to sit in his presence and listen to his response, Amen. You know, how many know listening is an art? Listening is a real art. So learning to listen to people and that and, uh, is, is a real art and, and to master that. And so with God, we have to learn to listen to Him. And so in an abiding, but there's a place, how do I pray without ceasing? Well, prayer, because we think that I just have to have time where I'm talking, where I'm saying. Prayer is also listening. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is communication. So there can be that place. I can be abiding in Him, and I can constantly be aware and listening for His voice. As I'm going through my daily activities and and, and through my responsibility, I I can be sensitive to hear His voice. Are you with me? So important to understand that. So prayer is the place of abiding, remaining in Christ. Prayer with God is the highest attainment of life fully abiding and remaining in him. So Christ is our prevailing intercessor. The highest place we could attain to is to be joined with him in his work. And we shared it last week. Jesus is ever living to make intercession for us. He prayed for us while he was here. Look at what he said to Peter. Peter, Satan has desired to sift you, but I have prayed for you. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. When you're delivered, when you're restored, strengthen the brethren. But look, Jesus, Peter said, Jesus said, Peter, Peter, I prayed for you. And so now he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. And so the highest ministry, we always think about higher things, but the highest thing we could do is to be joined with him in prayer. Inter- but, but not just praying for ourselves, but that place we begin to intercede because they look over here. My goodness, look at the needs. And just a congregation of our size, look at the needs on this wall. Some of those are eight and ten deep on there. You go over there and start feeling through. There's just so many needs on this wall. But Jesus is praying for every one of those needs. Jesus is interceding for every one of those. So if I'm with him, if I'm abiding in him and, I, and I'm part of him, then prayer, in, in order for that to be more than a statement, in order for that to be a living reality, then being with him in the ministry of intercession has to become a reality in my life as well. Amen? Praise the Lord. So working along with, allowing the work of the Holy Spirit to also prevail through us in the earth in pleading for men. So the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray well, knowing that all other things will flow in perfection from the fountain of his presence in our lives. Think about that. When news comes, when situations come, what if we had matured to the place and grown in relationship with God where we knew how to just find rest in his presence before we responded, before we reacted, before anything else, we just find ourselves pulling away and resting in his presence. Before you speak, before you do it, just find that place where you just stay at rest in his presence and then respond out of what you hear. Amen? So if we could learn that, everything else flows from the fountain of his presence. The reality of all he has been made unto us will flow out from our being taught by him to walk with him also in the ministry of prayer and intercession. We talked about that last week. Secondly, we talked about last week, and we didn't really get through all this, but being praying in spirit and in truth. And we looked at John chapter 4 and and the woman at the well. So if you want to turn there in John, we're going to come back to Matthew chapter 6. But if you want to go to John chapter 4, we'll read this here tonight. Jesus begins having this discourse with her, and he begins to reveal and kind of read her mail a little bit. And uh, then she, in verse 
19 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. It always amazes me. It always amazes me with this, this one statement. I perceive you are a prophet. We, the very next thing out of her mouth is worship. Not, I mean, for, for years this poor woman has been labeled an adulteress. She's been, been, been labeled a, a harlot, been labeled all these things. But yet this woman is not under conviction in his presence. She's not repenting. She says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. Amen? And so, listen, I perceive you are a prophet. Now, if, if, if you read anything about prophets, and you do any kind of study about prophets and how they understood who prophets were, you're not just casual with prophets. Jesus just read her mail, revealed everything about her life. And she acknowledges he's a prophet, and then listen to the next thing she says. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. She, she enters into a conversation of worshiping God with the prophet. Not praying, not saying, pray for me that, you know, or that, that God does it. Oh, you've exposed me. It wasn't an exposure. Jesus didn't expose her. He healed her. Do you understand that? He didn't expose her. He healed her. He, he eased the pain that she's been carrying, the shame, the rejection. Now she's in a conversation with him about worship. And she said, we worship here. You Jews say that worship is in Jerusalem, where, where, that in Jerusalem is where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So Jesus said, it's not in that place. It's not in a place. Worship is not in a place. And it's not in a specific time. Okay? And the highest form of your worship and my worship is our prayer time with God. It's not our singing time with God. As I said last week, it's our prayer time with God. And it's not in a place, that's not relegated by a specific place or a specific time. It was awesome. It was powerful to be at the Western Wall at the Temple in Jerusalem. It was powerful to take prayer requests of the people here and, and, and go there and fold them and pray and put them in that wall and, and to be in a place where Jesus had, had walked by and, 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 and things had been there. To be there, yeah, that's a powerful place. But it's a place, it's not his presence. It's just a place. Do you understand? And yeah, it's a cool place. It has history. It has memory. But it's just a place. It's not him. Do you understand? And unless you take him to that place... He's omnipresent there, but he's not manifest present there. Do you understand the difference? Jesus, the Father, does not dwell in any place made by hands. The only place he dwells is in you. And then he invites you to dwell in his dwelling in you. (laughs) Woo! Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a powerful place. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's not on this mountain, and it's not in Jerusalem. Look at what he says. The hour is coming. He said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And it's in our outline, the the, the ignorant and then the informed worship, the ignorant worship and knowledgeable informed worship. But then he says the hour is coming is now here when true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers. So now watch this. Watch this. If there is form, if there is place, if there is time, if there is position in worship, there's probably the same thing in prayer. Amen. And so if there is a true worship, then there is also true prayer. Are you with me? And I don't know about you, that's what I'm after. I want true prayer in my life. 
I want prayer that's with the world. But worship, when true worshipers will worship who? So here, so here it is. Jesus, every time he talks to people like this, he's not saying God. Look, 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 look. She said, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and, but there, she's talking about worshiping God. Worshiping Elohim. Worshiping Yahweh. Amen? He's talking about worshiping the Father. Wow. And he says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. And if we're going to worship in spirit and truth, we're going to also have to learn how to pray in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So watch it. So we still see that there are three classes of worship. The ignorant, those who have no understanding of the word, and they pray in earnest and receive very little. So I'm telling you, the, the people in Samaria, there, they were earnest in their worship, but probably not receiving. If you go back to Jesus' day, the woman who had been over, she comes in the church, they're having church, they're earnest in what they're doing in those services, but nobody's getting any answers. And they're praying, they're reciting prayers, and they're going through motions, and they're, they're going through religious duties, and tradi- and they're very faithful at it, and very diligent about it, and they're very serious about it. But it's producing very little because it's not done in knowledge and it's not done in spirit or in truth. And then there are the intelligent ones, those who, are, who have correct knowledge yet pray only with their mind and heart in earnest, yet, not do, yet they do not attain to the full blessing. Because Jesus didn't say that you're going to pray with all of your mind all of your heart, he said, but in spirit and in truth. Amen? That worship comes that way. And so the spiritual, the, the spiritual call of the spirit and truth is what we're after. It's where Jesus came to take us and what he will teach us to enter into. So it's one thing, say, Lord, teach us to pray. And we're going to see it tonight that we get into this about the secret, entering into the presence of God, finding that secret place with God where we know that he hears us and we know that we receive. Because think about it, God is spirit. As God is, so must his worshipers be. The number one thing we have to fight as people is religion. We so easily become religious. We like form and formula and patterns and things. We just like routines. We like all that. And, and when, we, when we get one that we think is, get this, that we think is working, we, or we think is right, or we think it, we, we don't like to give that up. We fight for it. You watch the people today, think about all the different styles of worship. Why do we worship with that style? Because we think this is the one that God receives. Amen? That's it. We haven't changed much from the woman in Jesus, have we? You guys worship here like this. We worship over here like this. Da-da-da-da-da. So we see it that way. But God, as God is, we have to be that way. We must worship and pray in the Spirit. Amen? Because God is spirit, he is not bound by space or time. Do you understand? God's not bound by space or time. He's spirit. But in, a, but in his infinite perfection, he is always and everywhere the same. No matter where, at all times and in every place, everywhere, God is always the same. Because he's infinitely perfected, per, perfection, but always the same everywhere. He never changes. Wherever you go, he is, and he's the same wherever he is. Look at not being confined to place or form. God's not confined to a form or to a place. Think about it. We suffer from the confinement of place and time. Some people think it's more spiritual. That's what I say. Some people think, man, that, that somehow if I could get just that, the Western wall. And I watch people. This is, this, some of this stuff really frustrates me. 
Because it was cool to go there and as your pastor take your prayer request there. But I've watched people, I'm going to the prayer wall. I will be at the Western Wall in Jerusalem and I'm going to pray for you there. <laughs> and if you will send in your prayer request and your offering, God will really, I mean, you know what I'm saying. But there, there's so much manipulation, and then people go, oh, it'd be so spiritual. It would be so powerful if somebody prayed for me there. Somehow, that would be such an amazing prayer there at that place. Well, wait a minute. God is spirit. And he's infinitely the same everywhere in every place at the same time. Are you with me? And every believer, look at when Jesus taught his disciples, when he taught the multitude, he said, pray our. He, he made God everybody's father. We have to be careful because sometimes we act like, hey, you know what? I'm the best loved son that God has. And so I'm going to approach the father. You're just kind of like a derelict child in the family. So as God's best loved son, his most anointed one, I'm going to be going to the Father for you. And people go, that'd be so great if you'd just ask God for me. I'm sure he'd listen to you more than me. And I know I'm being sarcastic. But we don't really think about sometimes that why is it so much better for somebody who we think has so much more prominence and, and, and place with God? He is your father. Yes. He is your father. And if I could ever get you in a secret place where you are looking into the eyes of your Father and you know that you have the attention of the infinite God who has declared that He is your Father and His greatest joy is to hear your voice of request and then to delight in the pleasure of fulfilling what you have asked your Father for. And to say, you don't need to send somebody for you to me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Woo. Amen. We're kind of like this. Mom, could you ask dad? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Amen. We, we, we try to get favors going around the corner. We're doing all right? Yeah. Oh, he's the same. Wow. So God is spirit. He is the everlasting, unchangeable one. What he is, he is always in every place and in every time in spirit and in truth. Listen to what Jesus said. In spirit and in truth. What he is, he is always the same. Right now, God is here as spirit and truth in this place. When you get in your car, he'll be in your car with you. When you're walking across the parking lot to the store, he's in that place with you. No, no matter where you are, he is in every place all the time. And, and if we learn the secret of the Spirit, if we, listen, Jesus, listen to what Jesus literally said. You, through your tradition, have made the word of God of no effect. They have taken away its power. And Jesus didn't came to bring tradition or form. He came to bring us this amazing relationship. Amen? It's kind of, the prayer wall is awesome, but it's not supposed to be something that we looked. It's a place where we, one another, can see. And, and something, when we look there, we should be moved with compassion for the needs of the people. Because look at multitudes. Look at the multitude of needs. The Bible says Jesus, being moved with compassion, began ministering to them. And if I have the heart of God, if I'm living in spirit and truth, when I see that, it would move me with t to be able to look at that and say, God, how could I look at that much need and not be moved with compassion? Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So think about it.
See, he alone is spirit. And he alone has spirit to give, which is why Jesus, I can't wait to get to all these lessons. I, I keep, because each lesson kind of builds on the next one. And I'm going, because a couple more to come, I'm studying ahead, but a couple more to come is on, we get to, if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God is spirit. The highest gift he can give you and me is to give his spirit to us. And when he says to worship me in spirit, he, God is so cool because he wants us to work. He invites us into relationship with him as his father. So he gives us his son to make a way for that to happen. And then he wants us just to be able to have fellowship with him in spirit. So he puts his spirit in us. So we buy through and empowered by his spirit can be in one fellowship. We literally being one with God. Woo! What a God. So he alone is spirit and he alone has spirit to give, which is why Jesus declared the promise of the Father and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the spirit of the Father upon all flesh. God said, I'm a, this, is, this is my promise. I will pour my spirit out upon you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's coming and he's been with you. He shall be in you and he will be upon you. Woo, glory to God. And what does that do? That opens the door to true worship. Amen? Now this door, what Jesus is talking, it's coming, it's here, and, and, and here it comes. And so now it comes, and with Pentecost, we have the promise fulfilled. So we need the same Pentecost that they needed. We're carnal. We cannot bring God the true worship that he seeks out of ourselves. We need the childlike faith of teachableness that waits upon him to instruct us. The simple faith that will yield itself to the breathing of the Spirit. Are you with me? I just get, man, I just, if we ever learn to breathe out of our spirit, amen, to allow the Holy Spirit to just breathe and flow through our life. That's the coolest thing about praying in the Spirit. Remember little Brenda got baptized in the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago in the hallway. It's awesome. Yeah. We'll pray with her. Jenny and I pray with her after service. I was minding my own business. <laughs> and Jenny goes, Pastor, Brenda wants to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, I'm, I'm going, it's after service. Yeah. I'm putting my stuff away. No. God is everywhere the same, all the time present. Right. Ready, willing. Amen. And I just shared with her, I said, hey, you know what? When you got saved, God put his spirit in you. And when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's when you just let what he put in you flow out of you. You just begin breathing with the spirit. And you let the breath and the language of the spirit pray through you. And it's just a, a natural thing of the spirit. Are you with me? Amen. So, Nick, go with me to, back to Matthew chapter 6. I don't know about you, I really am enjoying this. Because I'm asking God to help me take my... I, and like I said last week, I could go, okay, I got saved December 13th, 1978. Okay, I've been saved for 38 years. Okay, I can go, I, I, I know enough about prayer, I don't need to learn anymore. Or I can say, I know nothing about prayer. Lord, teach me to pray. Because all I know about prayer has gotten me where I'm at right now. But where I'm at right now is not all that God has for my life. Where you, what you know about prayer has gotten you where you're at right now. But where you're at right now is not all that God has for your life. And the only way I will go farther is if I remain teachable and I can grow and I can press into some new thing. And most of that is, the hardest part is for us to admit we just need help. Amen? 
That's why Donnie Moore come. Looking forward to Donnie coming in a couple weeks. But Donnie, he just goes, he'll, he'll pray before service. He goes, okay, let us pray. He just says, Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the best prayer you could ever pray. Yeah. Father, help. I mean, just help. Holy Spirit, help. Amen. Rely. What's he called? He's called the helper. What a novel thought to let him I mean, it takes people a long time to learn that truth. That the Holy Spirit is here too. And He will if you let Him. But if you don't let Him, He won't. And so if you have no... It's not the fault. (laughs) Amen. He just helped me do that. Amen. So watch this. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Matthew 6, verse 5. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Okay? That's their answer. Okay, that, that's, that's all their prayer got them is they were heard by men, not by God. They were heard by men. Okay? And so it's great to pray for people and with other people where other people hear you, but that's not the prayer that Jesus is talking about. Are you with me? That's not prayer that is in the presence of God. Verse 6, but when you pray, look, he's instructing all of them. When you pray, go into your room. Now watch, just picture this. Jesus is at a big national church convention, and all the preachers are seated on the front row like we do now, and all the congregations out there, and he just told all the preachers, you guys do not pray properly. Because y'all want to sit up front and y'all want to pray. Y'all want recognition and all that stuff. So whenever you're doing your thing, that's all you got was just your thing. So he goes, okay, now when you guys pray, don't be like these guys. (laughs) Messing with everybody now. All right. When you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to who? To who? who is in the secret place. Please underline the secret place. And your Father who sees in what? Secret will reward you openly. Amen. Let's just talk about that just for a moment. Okay. Our place of prayer must be a secret place with the Father. Okay. But more than a set place in a time. A secret place doesn't mean, and, and it's cool. The war room came out, that's cool. Build yourself a war room, get yourself a closet, have yourself a secret place, but what are you going to do when you're not home and you can't get into your war room? What are you going to do on vacation? What are you going to do if you're just not there? What, what are you going to do? Well, I can't pray unless I can get in my secret place. God is not confined to a place or a time. And we do that so we so easily like to find something that is religious. By all means, have a secret place. Have a devotional place. I have, in, in our house, we, we, we have like a, 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 a uh, double level. We come in to the house. We have a little front room, living room, and then the dining room. And then right in the middle of the front room and the, and the kitchen dining room area, is this little sunken where a fireplace is, this sunken conversate called a conversation pit. That's my place. Yeah. My chair's there. I sit in front of the fireplace, my little table, my books, all my piles that are in baskets now are there. All my devotionals, on the, the little shelf behind the couch is one of my book racks and stuff. And so that's my place. And I spent, that's my coffee's there. I mean, everything's there. That's my place. And God and I talked to I've, I've God spoken so much to me there. But that's not the only place. Do you know that? That's not the only place. 
And my children all growing up over the 21 years we've been in that house, they've all watched me in my place. That's been my place since we've been in that house. This shall be my place. Amen. I bet. And they get up in the morning, dad's up first, and, and I'm in my place. And, and you're going through that time. Amen. But what when we're not there? We have a travel trailer. I don't have any place in my trailer. But when I'm in my trailer, I go make a place by the fire pit when we're camping. I find a, I go out and I start the fire and I get my coffee and I sit by the fire. Something about fire and God always goes together. So, you know, if, if you have a war room, set something on fire in there. God will show up. Amen. But anyway, so he's there. God's there, but it's not a specific place. The principle we must see here is that every teacher must have a classroom. Okay? Every teacher has to have a classroom. If you're going to learn from God, you're going to have to go to class. God, if the Lord's going to teach you to pray, you're going to have to go to school. School is a place. There's an instructor. There's a classroom. Amen. Jesus instructs us to go to the secret place of solid, uh, and solitary place where we can be alone with God. It says, when you pray, go to the secret place. Go to the inner chamber, if you would, because that is the Lord's classroom. Okay? Now let me just tell you right there. You want to know where your secret place is? Put your hand on your belly. It's right here. This is your inner chamber. This is your seat. You, you know what? This war room is always with you. No matter where I am, I can enter into the secret place with God. You can be in a crowd. You could be in a subway. Amen. You know what? If I would have been in Brussels today and a bomb goes off, you know what I want to do when the bomb goes off? I want to step aside and step into my secret place for a moment. Before you panic, before you respond, you just be in that secret place. God, what are we going to do? What do we do, Father? And Because it doesn't take much just to pull back and say, Father. And just to pause. And you don't have to take a position. You don't have to bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes. But just to learn, to build an intimacy with God where you know his voice and he knows yours. Are you with me? So he revealed to the Samaritan woman that worship was no longer confined to times and places. Worship must be spiritual and true and sometimes of the spirit and and, and as something of the spirit and the life he gives. The whole man with his whole life is to worship in spirit and in truth. You and I, all that we are, our whole being, our whole life, is to be worshiping God in spirit and truth. The spot or the location can change from day to day, as I said, from place to place. But the quiet time is where we place ourselves in the Master's presence, there to be prepared by Him to worship the Father. There's something about just bringing ourselves and settling ourselves down and entering in to God's presence. Amen. And that's what I mean. You, you have to carve out some time for this. You have to make place for this, for this to happen. Does it have to be an hour? Does it have to be five hours a day? No, it just has to be time for you to be in His presence. The first and principal thing in the closet is I must meet with my Father. This is what Jesus said. You go into your secret place where the Father is, and you meet with Him there. You meet with Him there. How? In the secret place of inner solitude where the light of His countenance shines in my soul. When I get in the presence of God, you, God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. 
And when you enter into the presence of God, when you get in that secret place with God, whether it's in your room, whether it's in your little little place where your chair and your table is and your prayer place is, or whether it's any place you set yourself aside for solitude with God, when you enter into the secret place, you sense the light of His countenance. You sense God just turns on the light. It's amazing. How many know what I'm saying? All right. So stay with me. He shines his countenance into my soul. The very first instruction of the teacher of the Lord is, look, pray to your Father who is in secret. What does that mean? God is a God who hides himself from the carnal eye. As long as our worship and our prayers are chiefly occupied with thoughts of ourselves. Bob said it Sunday morning, and I pulled out my iPad and I wrote it down. Because I mean, I go, God, that's right in line with exactly where we're going right here. Listen to what he said. Bob Kilpatrick said this Sunday morning. Most of our prayer requests are either for intervention or information. Wanting to know something or receive something from God. Not to hear something from God. Most of our prayer, because most people's prayer is just come in there. God, I need to know your will. God, I need to know what to do about this. God, I need this. I need that. We, we, we either need, God, oh, you have to work on this as the situation. Can you work this out? Can you help me with that? We either need God to intervene or God to provide. Amen? But sometimes he just wants to talk. Amen. See, I tease my son Cody all the time. He gave me a bad time. He says, well, Dad, you never call me. I said, well, you only call when you want something. I said, you, you call, and I go, I'll, I'll look at your mom, and I go, I wonder what he wants. And I answer the phone. He goes, hey, Dad, do you know, hey, Kabbalah, you know, it, it, like the next word after hi is <laughs> provision or intervention. Amen? How do you, can you, do, 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 do. It's not, hey, how you feeling? What's going on? You doing all right? Amen. How was your day? What's going on? <laughs> How you been? And I know none of us treat God like that. But think about it. So Bob said that and I thought, but see, he hides himself from the carnal eye. And if the carnal eye is about me, if the, this is my flesh. Everything, is, everything we're requesting for is connected to our temporal life, not our spiritual life. But worship when the secret place with God is connecting with God in the spirit. And, and, and it's where I'm as much concerned about spiritual things, that, that I want to know the secret things, the mystery things, the eternal things, not just the temporal things. And when I get a hunger for the eternal, it's amazing how the temporal works out. Just amazing. Are we doing okay? Yes. All right. So, but if we're in that carnal place, then we come away from our time without meeting him. It is only as we withdraw our souls away from all that is of this world and prepare to wait upon God alone that he comes and meets with us in secret. A private place, get this, of only two voices, yours and his. Bob said something else. Think about it today. See, it's crazy. Everybody, it, it, we live in a stupid day and age. Probably everybody in here right now has a phone with them. And it's not off, it's on silent. It wasn't but just a few years ago, 10 years ago, you couldn't bring it with you. You could, but it was in a bag and everybody just thought you were trying to be cool. You know, we had bag phones, we kept them in the car, you know. How many people walked around in church with their phone bag on their hand, their antenna sticking out of the bag? Hey, hey, Dad. You want my number? Huh? You can call me anytime. See? Here's the problem. 
The more connected you are to people, the more you think you're their answer. Now, I thought it was an amazing statement years ago. I was in a pastor's meeting when pagers came out. That is so cool. I can't answer it, but it can tell me I need to go call somebody. And I was in a pastor's meeting, leadership meeting, and, and, and the speaker got up and said, yeah, some of you pastors now think you're omnipresent because people can contact you all the time. So now that they can get a hold of you, you're more powerful because they can reach you all the time. You can just be there at any moment. And so people go, people today, my kids need to be able to get a hold of all the time. They need it. As soon as they can learn how to use it, I need to get them one so they can get a hold of. Well, how did you survive without being able to get a hold of your parents all the time? When they couldn't be Jehovah Mama and Dada to you. But see, the problem is we don't even go to prayer and leave our phone out of prayer. We have our phone sitting next to us while we're in prayer so that another voice can come in. And that's the thing I always say. God ordained that we would be a people of the voice. In the beginning, God, the voice of God came walking in the cool of the day. God came by His voice walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. You are a person of the voice. The thing that distinguishes God's people from anything else is the voice of God. His voice. And Jesus is saying, when you pray, go into a place where there are only two voices. Until you, until you just bring this down, reduce this down to two voices, you will not pray. Don't pray. It has to be two voices. That's it. But see, now we've been spiritual because now I can put a Bible on a phone and my excuse for holding on to my phone is that it is now my book. It's not your book. Anyway. <clears throat> Are we doing all right? I know, I've just gotten everybody's mess. But think about, okay. Don't change, keep going. Let the world shape your relationship with God. Let the world influence and shape you. And doing that. Just continue. God says, come out from among them and be separate. There has to be a... Jesus said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay. And when he's teaching the multitude, he says, go find a secret place with God. Jesus constantly, the disciples will look for him, where is he? He's off in a secret. He's up on the mountain over here. He's over by the rock over here. He's down by the ocean over here. Hey, everybody's looking for you. Where is he? He's off in a secret place with God, in a place with two voices. His voice and his father's voice. And if we're going to learn to pray, and pray in a way, the number one thing Jesus said is find that secret place. Are you with me? And that place where you first come and it's just your Father. So hear about it. Hear what Jesus said. The Father is waiting for our presence in the secret place. Don't fret by, in fact, j- j- just go to me with, with he- Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. Now watch. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness in, to enter the holiest or the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. Okay, look up here. There is no holy, there's no natural holy holies here. We don't have access into there. The veil was written too. Jesus said, this is a spiritual place. There, there's been an entrance in the spirit. By virtue of the blood, there's a, there, there's a holy place that we enter by the spirit. There's a secret place. Are you with me? That we enter by virtue of the blood. By a new and a living way which he concentrated for through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work. And let us not forsake assembly. But look at this. Here's an entering in. There's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. And God is waiting for us in his presence, in the secret place. But we don't need to fret by thinking of how little you have to bring. Rather, see how much he wants to give to you there. Well, what can I bring? How do I, I don't know how to pray. It's not about knowing how. How does a child know how to talk to his father? My grandkids just go blah, 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 blah. They don't care about nothing. The kids just come up and look at you and just blah, 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 blah. And then when they actually say words, they just talk about everything. And they, they want your attention. They want, and you just go, oh, that's your love. And look at you. You're just going with them. You're just in there with them. So if you, being evil, know how to talk in tongues to your kids. <laughs> but look at that interaction. We just interact. And we're not requiring children to know how to say the right words to do that. We, we, we relish the inner, they're coming and they're up in our face and, and they want to get right up there and they want to touch and, and they want to be with you. And Jesus is saying, hey, go into a secret place with your father. How many people today in the natural would give anything with broken homes and the, and, and, and the degradation of the family? How many kids would love to have father time? And yet we're being offered father time with our heavenly father. Wow. He's waiting for us there, waiting for you to look up to him in that place and say, my father. Everybody look up here. Not just my God. God was Old Testament. New Testament. God became Father. Yeah, he's referenced as Lord in the New as Lord, as sovereign, as the authority. But he's Father. Amen. Jesus didn't say, go into your closet and say, Elohim. Go into your closet and say, Yahweh. Go into your closet and say, Jehovah. That isn't what he said. He says, go into your closet. Get in the presence of your Father. We've received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. Are you getting this tonight? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And then, think about it. Your personal invitation is to be alone in the very presence of the infinite God. <laughs> okay, I've been saved all this time, and this stuff still blows the top off my head. Could just... To comprehend that. 
And then even in that play, what amazes me is that I've learned what Bob talked about. I pray, and then there are other times during the day I'm just listening. I'm waiting for the answer. There's times in God, this last Saturday I was going through some stuff and dealing with some situations and praying about situations. And then while I'm in the yard trying to do some quick yard work and stuff and trying to get caught up over these last few weeks, and then I just hear his voice. And the answer comes. I wasn't in my chair I wasn't there. But if you learn, your secret place goes with you all the time. Amen. This is your secret place. Are we doing okay? Yeah. He's just with us all the time. And he can talk to us. And, and I mean, I, I was troubled about some. I'm seriously troubled about some stuff. I'm praying about it. I said, God. In fact, situa- I prayed about all this week. It's going, God. And then Saturday, just his voice comes. God comes walking. And you hear his voice. And he speaks to you in the secret place. How many can say amen? It's there. All right, we have to quit. I went over time. And uh, next week, we'll pick it up with uh, the Lord who sees in secret rewards us openly. And... Think about this. Because they deal with the, he knows what you need before you ask. Think about that. He knows what you need before you ask. Why ask? Why ask? No, no. He knows you need it. Hear it like that. God knows you need it. Therefore, it is his good pleasure to give it to you because your father knows you need it. If you're a father, you know what your children need before they ask you. If you're a good father, if you're a deadbeat dad, Stupid father, you're not aware. But a good father is aware of his children's needs even before they ask him. And when they ask, it is his good pleasure to give them what they need. Because he, why? Because he knows they need it. Amen. And so if we ever get aware that this gracious father who invites us into, knows what we need, and it's his delight to give it to us that he is the God that whatever we have, you just hold on to how much more. That when we see good in us and we can ascribe good to our relationship with our kids, how much more your heavenly father wants to be in relationship with you, wants to meet the need, wants that fellowship, wants to be in your presence. Now what? Isn't it amazing that Jesus said that unless we become a child, we can't enter into the kingdom. You got to become a child again. You got to just crawl back up in dad's lap. Amen. Amen. I love playing with my grandkids. Ben goes, Papa, can I come to your house? I said, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to have tickle time. Amen. And you know what I go? Absolutely. And then they come over and I go, what do you want? They go, we want drumsticks. I said, do you want one or two? (laughs) Amen. Amen. Because your good pleasure is to give to them. Amen. And your children, and you go beyond, and we would do for Christmas, we'd do things for our kids, and then if I had extra money, we, we always budget our Christmas giving, okay, this is our budget, so everybody gets X amount, da, da 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 but then if I have extra money, I'm the dad. So when I have extra money, then I do something extra on top of that for the, for the kids and stuff. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, it's my money. It's not she money, it's my money. 
So this is my money so I can bless my children above what we budgeted. Because God does exceedingly and abundantly of what you budget him into. Doing all right? And so look, if we, do, if we being evil would ever think like that towards us, how much more will the, your heavenly Father do for you? So now when it comes time to pray, you just go, hey, and, and it's no longer about request. It's just about being alone with one other voice, yours and his, and talking to your Father. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you that you, your heart, is for us to enter into this relationship that you are calling us to. That we are your children, and you are our Father. Yes, you are our God. Yes, you are our Lord. You are our sovereign, our King, our Lord. But you are our Father. We love you. And we want to worship you. We want to just be with you in spirit and in truth in your presence. We want the light of your countenance illuminating our souls. Father, teach us that our secret place abides with us and it's our abiding in you anywhere we are at any place at any time we can just enter into that secret place with you and we can have fellowship with you and we can hear your voice the father i praise you tonight and i thank you for this marvelous invitation holy spirit help us to accept it in jesus name everybody said